0: We're going to be in Mark chapter five, starting at verse twenty-five and going to the end. And I'm going to kind of skip a little bit because it's a long bit of a long bit of reading. Um, this uh, This week, I, uh, I, and my wife, my wife and I, we celebrated our 14th anniversary um our kids are with their cousins so we spent wednesday um part of wednesday floating down the french broad river on on paddle boards uh the people that we rented them from said that it was supposed to take like two and a half hours and we did like i don't know three and a half four because i don't think we actually put the paddles in the water except to go more towards the middle of the river. We just didn't feel at all compelled to go faster. We just laid there and looked at the sky and talked about life. Um, And I am incredibly thankful to have my wife as a friend, as a partner. Um, I don't know that I could make it through all of this without her. Um, But I was reminded how... We are made to need one another, that even if you're single, you are not excluded for that from that need and you are not having to sit there and say, well one day if I can just get married, then I'll have fellowship. We are made f- to be with one another. We talked a little bit about that uh, last week as Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. Community is vitally important, whether you find it in friendship, whether you find it at church, whether you find it in marriage, we were made for one another. You cannot do this uh, alone. And um, I certainly am most appreciative for the relationship I have with my wife. But uh, I look at you guys, and there's some of you I have not seen in a long time, and you're on the list. You list. Know, I need you. We need each other to, to continue to go and faithfully plod along and follow after Jesus. Jesus is with us as we are with one another. And that's a that's a good grace. Um, so we're in Mark chapter five. This is our series on Jesus being with. Last year last week it was Jesus with his disciples on mission. And we specifically talked about how Jesus sends out his disciples to be with people at the table to eat. And to heal people. And this is Jesus with the people who need to be healed. Jesus with uh, people who have been written off. Uh, Jesus is going along and a man approaches him and says, my daughter is desperately sick. Will you please come and heal her? And he says, yes. And on his way, he gets interrupted by somebody else who's in need. And this is verse 25. There is a woman who had 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 a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but grew rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I'm going to skip ahead. Then Jesus continues on to the man's house, the official's house, and his daughter has died in this delay. She has died. Verse 38, They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And When he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means uh, in Aramaic, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. for She was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give for something to eat. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for this work of healing. We pray that our hearts would be open to you, we would receive from you, and that you would speak a word to us that would heal us as well. God, we um, in this season of, of disease and pandemic, we need to see you and hear you as healer. Would you come and speak your word over us, even as you've already spoken this word for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Um, so a couple things right off the bat. I'm going to talk about these two healings and what can, they can teach us. Uh, in different ways. Uh, I'm going to talk about this in in ways that are not just about physical healing. But I want to just say uh, off the bat that the Gospels do not shy away from saying that Jesus actually physically healed people. And the temptation is to to pick up Scripture, to take up the Gospels and say, this is silly. This doesn't happen. Uh, It doesn't happen anymore. It never happened. Uh, And the Gospels are not saying that. The Gospels are saying, no, Jesus, when it says he healed somebody when he resurrected them, that's actually what it means. And to maybe our modern sensibilities, whether you're not a follower of Jesus or whether you are, our Western scientific minds often say, that's not real. I'll just kind of glaze past that, glaze over that. But the Gospels mean what they say. Jesus does have that power. And the vast majority of Christians um, in all places and times have affirmed that, that Jesus did heal miraculously and powerfully, and actually still does. Not always when we want him to, not always uh, how we want him to, but he does. You have writings from the early church on up into the 5th century where people will just report that, oh yeah, by the way, of course, people were healed miraculously from, from diseases. Um, and we still affirm that uh, to this day. We don't know why God says yes or no to those requests, but uh, we certainly believe in asking Him to do miracles like this today. But I want to look at the kinds of healing, the kinds of things that Jesus is doing and in these healings. Um, And I should say, last week I realized after I preached, I sat down, and I was like, man, I talked way too long. I just forgot myself. So I'm going to get straight to the point this week with you. Um, this incident with the woman with the issue of blood is, is in many ways really strange at, on its face. For one, it's, uh, you have to see that this woman is viewed as completely uh, hopelessly unclean. Because of the Jewish ritual purity laws, her bleeding marks her as ritually unclean and requires a degree of separation from everybody else. And she is, in fact, risking things, not just for herself, but for others, as she presses into Jesus and uh, clings to him for that healing. Um, and Jesus knows that He has healed her. Uh, the gospels present Jesus as knowing things that would be otherwise impossible to know, but here's Jesus saying, "Who uh, has been healed?" And the question is, Why? Why is he asking this? The disciples ask, why are you asking this? They think it's a ridiculous question. Like, we're in a crowd, Jesus. You know, lots of people have been bumping shoulders with you. This is kind of a silly question to to ask. Lots of people have touched you. But Jesus means, who touched me in faith like this? Who have I healed? And what this forces from this woman is that she identify herself and the small town will immediately know who she is and what her deal is she's the one who's been ritually unclean off to the side cast off maybe forgotten for all of these years she has been healed and when jesus uh, asks her to put her hand up and identify herself it provides him the opportunity to declare in front of everyone who has cast her aside. She is no longer the cast off. She is no longer the unclean one. The whole uh, gathering of people understand that not only in that moment has she been physically healed, but there's been this announcement that her social disease has now been healed as well. So that Jesus' healing for her is both physical And social. He makes unclean people clean. He makes rejects part of the community. This is intrinsic to the work of Jesus. And then uh, it's much more straightforward what he does with this little girl. Um, It should be noted that, you know, we know again that Jesus knows what's going on, he has a sense of timing that he does delay in getting to this little girl. And he, in that delay, um, in some sense, allows this little girl to die. If he had only gone straight there, might she have avoided death? If you're this little girl's mother or father, you can't help but ask that question, just like Mary and Martha could not help but ask him, "Where were you if you'd not been here? If you'd been here, our brother Lazarus would not have died. But Jesus has an impeccable sense of his timing. And he affirms that he sees what nobody else does, because he says, she's just asleep. And everybody says, boy, that sun is really hot, isn't it? It has baked his brains, because of course she's not just asleep. He, she is dead. But the thing is that, that those things that are dead, even, are not too dead for Jesus, So he walks into the room and he grabs her by the hand and says in this very familiar, uh, tender, Aramaic way, he tells this little girl to get up. And she does. She wakes up. And what was dead is now alive. Jesus takes what is dead and makes it alive. Jesus takes uh, what is unclean and makes it clean. These are the kinds of healings that Jesus still does today. We certainly affirm that we should pray for God to do miraculous physical healings, but we have to expand uh, the horizon of our expectations and hopes for Jesus and allow Him to heal in this way as well that he can step in and make what is unclean clean to take those who have been socially cast off and repopulate them into a new community. We have to open the horizons of our minds and our hearts and say, God, take what has been dead and make it alive in me. You know, in, in our day right now, I, I think that you should think about in this pandemic season, what has died in you? What are the things in you that just feel death? I know for many people, hope has seemingly taken a death blow. People will acknowledge that the the lights have grown dim. And the things that they've put their hopes in have all gone away. And they don't seem like they're going to come back. And Jesus can make hope come alive again. For a great number of people, security has died. Jobs have been taken away. There is unrest. The ground feels wobbly beneath your feet. And Jesus can redefine for you what it means to be secure. He can resurrect it. Ultimately, um, the, some of the most profound examples uh, of Christian hope is in, Christ, in, in Christ's power is not uh, the the physical healings that God might do, but instead what God awakens and brings alive in the midst of suffering. Of course, it's extremely powerful if the dead are raised, but the Christian testimony is often repeatedly and available to all Christians that Christians can stand at the edge of even the grave and say that hope is not dead. But instead, Jesus, who proclaimed himself to be the resurrection and the life, will sustain you even through the grave. Even in the midst of suffering and of trial, there is this, there's this flowering of life inside because Jesus has come close. First and foremost, we are to read these stories of Jesus being with those who need to be healed and see that Jesus comes for us. Scripture will be clear and careful to tell all of us who read and to listen that you and I are the unclean ones. You and I are the ones who are messy with sin. You and I are the ones, Paul will say, you are dead in your sin. And Jesus offers Ritual cleanliness. That you would be washed in the waters of his own baptism. And you would be cleansed. You would be renewed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Where death has has come into you because of sin. Jesus will break the power of sin. And give you new spiritual life. We are the ones who Jesus has called out. And declared to be clean and right and at home in the community of God's people. But also, we are called to read this story and, and hear this character of Jesus and put it with stories like the, that we read last week. Jesus calls the disciples to be instruments of healing. And you're in missional communities right now. And you are called to be on mission with Jesus to perpetuate this work. Not that we are the ones who are doing the healing, but instead we are the ones who are proclaiming that Jesus heals. So as we band together as missional communities, as a church, whether we're uh, isolated off in our own homes or in smaller groups, in houses or, or whatever it may be, we have to look at one another and ask the question together, where is God calling us to go to proclaim this good news? To whom do we go? To what outcast do we find and tell them the good news that Jesus has redefined their status, made them clean and purified them, has a place and a home for them? That means that you should be casting your mind over all the people that you know. And the people that are furthest on the margins and on the edges, those are the kinds of people that Jesus loves and loves to bring into the center of the village and give them a home. So yes, that means that person that you really cannot stand is exactly the kind of person that Jesus says, Who touched me? Today I have made you whole. I've made you clean. And it means that in the relationships that we have with people, we are called in the name of Jesus as representatives of Jesus' kingdom. We are called to proclaim to them the good news where hope has died, Jesus will wake you up. Where security has fallen to pieces, Jesus will resurrect your security in his good kingdom. Where hope to be loved has died, Jesus will resurrect that hope and give you his love. And we could go on and on. We are called first to respond to the gospel and let him purify us and make his home with us, make us home with him to come alive in the spirit and then to turn around and to be an instrument of that same healing, that same resurrection power. Jesus is still the resurrection and the life. He is still the one who does these kinds of things. This morning, as you listen to this, if you feel that you have finally recognized how you have not let go of your uncleanliness, how you are still in captivity to sin, Jesus is coming close to you today and he knows you when he's asking the question who touched me he already knows the answer to the question he knows you he knows the state of your heart and he delights in setting you free all the things that have died in you that are painful to acknowledge jesus is the resurrection and the life for you and and today if you're recognizing that for the first time jesus is so excited and delighted to come close. It is He who will make you well and bring you to life. All of us are called as well today to go with Jesus, to do the thing that Jesus sent His disciples to do, to partner with Him, to, to be uh implementers to be proclaimers of the healing and resurrection power that comes from Jesus. So maybe today in your missional community, before you leave, you can speak the name of somebody who you have, God has brought to your mind, and maybe just together you can pray for that person. You can pray that God will bring that, that God will give you the opportunity to, to be a participant in that, to be a conduit of it even we are called to go with Jesus because He is still this God and He is still doing this work. And one day, healing will be done in full. There will be no more tears. There will be no more margins. Everybody will be brought in. Jesus will triumph fully and finally over sin and death. And we, right now, are working in the foretaste and the hope of that coming kingdom. Only in Jesus can we have this kind of resurrection hope. And we are confident that that hope will be fulfilled. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that we have your word. We thank you that your word centers our eyes on Jesus. We thank you that this is the word of the Lord, and we give thanks to you for this word. We pray that we would hear it and respond to it. God, I pray that everybody who's listening would uh, throw themselves at the feet of Jesus for healing and resurrection. I pray for those who are, are... feeling totally ashamed and outcast and impure, who feel dead inside, that they will hear the good news of the gospel and they will feel that it is a word of life and freedom. And God, I pray for those who have not yet responded to your word. I pray that this morning, this evening, whenever they're listening to it, watching this, that they will know that Jesus has come for them. However long it may feel like he's delayed in getting there, he has arrived at the perfect time. And it is not too late, it is not too early, but today is the acceptable day, the best day to respond. And Jesus, we ask that we would be as a people together, shaped and formed by this scripture, that we would go with you, that we would go following in your footsteps, telling the good news that this is for everyone And that all they need to be healed is just to grab hold of you passing so close by them. Jesus, all our hopes are in you. And we thank you that because of who you are, our hopes are sure. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.